Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hi everyone, I'll get started if that's okay. Thank you all for coming. I'll just start by acknowledging that we meet here today on the lands of the Ghana people and to pay my respect to their elders, to the elders who are currently working very hard to bring up the elders of the future and also to the elders past and just to acknowledge the ongoing connection that Ghana people have with this beautiful land, the Ghana Plains and how important it is for them to maintain their cultural practices. My name is Nikki Cumpston and I'm the Artistic Director of Tarnandi and I'm also the Curator of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. And thank you all for coming. It's wonderful to have you here today. Um, it's been a busy, busy few weeks because we've just had the Tarnandi Art Fair. Have any of you, were you able to come along to the Art Fair? Anyone here? Great, yep, great, a few people were able to. It's just such a unique event where we are able to support the artists to sell their work directly to the public. So all of the proceeds from their sales goes directly back to the art centres. And there were 49 art centres who we represented from right across Australia, including the Torres Strait Islands, from the north of Australia, so Arnhem Land, across into Western Australia, down through the centre, Central Australia, the north of South Australia, the south of South Australia, so we had artists from Sejuna Arts and Culture, and across down into Victoria. So a really great representation, and of course artists from Queensland as well. And this year, because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the lack of travel available to everyone, but also the lack of opportunity for artists from regional communities to be able to travel. We represented the artists and we sold their work for them. So normally at the Tarnandi Art Fair would be all of the artists each from each of the art centres. So this year we had to get our skates on and get out the research books and do all of that study that was required in order for us to be able to talk about the works that we had available for sale and we enlisted many of the curators and other staff from across the gallery and also from across Adelaide, other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who we work really closely with also came and supported us in order for us to really do a, you know, a good job. And we sold 70% of the work. So we're absolutely thrilled we were able to, to do that because of course when we had the second wave in Adelaide and we all thought we had to shut down and so we lost a week and a half of our organising time and we thought for one moment we thought that actually we weren't going to be able to put it on and that we would have to send all of the work back and that broke our hearts and made us just feel really really, really sorry that, you know, all of the effort that all of the art centres had gone to, to select the work, to prepare it, and, and, you know, anyway, it was a big decision, but we thought, let's work really hard. We worked double as hard, doubly as hard, and we managed to do it. So we're really only sending a very small amount of work back to the art centres, and the art gallery store has taken some things as well. So, for example, I wanted, here we are today, and we're in the room where we are surrounded by the incredible work of the artists from Ernabella Arts in Pukacha, in the Arnangu Pitinjara Yunkinjara lands, also known as Ernabella. 
So Ernabella Arts is the oldest existing art centre in the South Australian APY lands. It was formed in 1948 as a women's centre to support the women to be able to make craft. And it was through the missionaries who had come into that community that the art centre was managed through them. And so the techniques that were taught really came from their knowledge and their expertise initially. But of course, the women brought with them all of their chukrupa. So all of their ancestral knowledge and stories was embedded within everything that they made. And initially what they did was they gathered up the wool that was, so it was a, a station, and there was work for, for people in the community through that station work. So they had sheep on the station, and the sheep would get caught in the fences, so the wool, the women would take that wool that they saw flapping in the wind and they spun it using that traditional technique that they have for spinning hair to make hair string. And so they spun the wool and then they used that wool to make. And what they made at one point, what was introduced, were the latch hook rugs. Now we've had them on display upstairs in gallery six as part of the tableau that, that we have in that area, up, up in Gallery 6 where you just walk in, you can see there's a whole range of different smaller items that have been made by Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. So just, just look out for, for those latch hook rugs. So that's one of the very first things that the artists made. In the 1970s, they did a workshop where they worked alongside of artists from Yogyakarta in Indonesia, and they learnt the batik technique. So this gorgeous scarf that I have in front, in front with me, it's a batik scarf, absolutely exquisite. This has been made by an artist, Margaret Dagg. She's one of the artists from Ernabella, and she still does this technique herself at home. She's the, at this point, one of the only artists who is still practicing this technique. It's silk, it's pure silk, and the batik technique is where you use a wax resist. So the tool that's used is called a junting, and it's a brass tool that has a little funnel on the end and a little scoop that the wax is held in. And so you very gently tip that and you draw. So all of the lines that you see have been created using wax. So once you've waxed up your design, you then pop it into a dye bath. So you, you basically are covering the area that you don't want to be the colour that you are dyeing it. So as you can see, that has, there's three or four colours. So very meticulously, she's worked out her design and pattern and, and then dyed it. So there are only four of these scarves and they're available from the art gallery store. So these didn't sell at the art fair. We sold about 10, but some didn't sell. But I thought, let's hang on to them because they really are unique. And as I said, each one is, is unique. It's, you know, you can't replicate it. And also the fact that this is something that the artists have done since the 70s. We have quite a few of these incredibly beautiful batiks in our collection. The other artists who also worked in this technique were the women artists from the region known as Utopia. So Emily Ngamangware 
is one of the artists who you would have, you know, definitely have heard of. Um, and she started out using that Bartik method to paint. And then she went from that to painting with the synthetic polymer acrylic paint onto canvas. So the women artists have developed this incredible, incredible art centre. And they are the managers of, the, it's an Aboriginal owned and managed art centre in Ernabella. And there are now also men artists involved. There haven't always been, uh, but, but in the last probably 15 to 20 years, more and more men are coming on board um, to work within the arts, painting and ceramics. So, so the art centres are really active, vibrant, vital place for everyone in the community. And quite often in communities, this is the only way that people can source an income. There aren't any other opportunities in communities it's in South Australia and right across Australia. So that's why it's so important to support the artists and we do that by being able to exhibit their work, share their stories, but also through supporting the art fair to happen and supporting them to be able to sell their works of art. So these artists are artists who also exhibit nationally and internationally through the National Gallery of Australia and all of the other state galleries, as well as being involved in exhibitions, incredible international exhibitions, including the exhibition that we have curated alongside of the APY Art Centre Collective, the Kulara Juta project, um, the exhibition that's currently on at the Musée de Beaux-Arts in Rennes in Brittany. So that exhibition is currently on until the end of February and there are artists from Ernabella Arts also included in that exhibition, as well as other artists from across the South Australian Arnangu Pitjantjara Yankanjara lands. So those works of art are all original paintings that have been created over the last 10 months. What happened was we were taking work from our collection, from the Art Gallery of South Australia collection, over to this exhibition, but unfortunately, Due to the pandemic, we weren't able to travel with the artists to install the work. And the work was the Kulata Juda project, which you may recall from the 2017 Tarnandi. And it was upstairs in Gallery 11, and it was the 680 Kulata, the spears, that were suspended in the shape of an atomic bomb blast. And because we weren't able to actually go and install that work with the artists, it was too difficult for us to relate how to do that to the, the museum staff in Wren. And so instead, instead of just cancelling and losing that opportunity, we went back to the artists and said, what do you think we should do? Is there any chance that we could put together an exhibition of paintings, for example, that would be quite easy for us to be able to identify how they needed to be hung? And then the museum staff could do that. So we all worked as hard as we could and we put together, there's a 200-page publication and it has artist biographies, it has four different languages. The glossary is in English, French, Pitanjara and Breton. The whole book is in three languages, so English, Pitanjara and French and it is the most incredible publication. It's called the Kulara Juta. And Kulara is spear, Juta is many, so it's the many spears. 
and the paintings all reference back to that. It's a cultural maintenance project that the senior men, it, it initiated in the Armata community in the APY lands, where the senior men saw the urgency to engage with the younger generation to teach them how to make the spears. And so they rallied round and they just started going out on camping trips and engaging the young men in this practice. So, so the, initially how it began was with the men really wanting the younger men to be brought up to speed with this, this practice. And so they had the camps. The thing is that the, the kulara are made from about four different types of wood. One of the woods is actually, it's a spear bush and it grows as a curly, it's a curly. And it has to be straightened. So it's straightened over the fire. And that's a really important men's ceremony of straightening the spears. We have a painting in the collection by Turkey Tolson um, Japarula, and that painting is about straightening the spears. That's from further north, Pintipi country, in, the, in um, central, the central desert north of Alice Springs. But the, these men took, took this project on, and it was at an, a desert symposium. So in Central Australia, there's an advocacy body for all of the Central Australian art centres. So there's up to, I think there's 65 art centres that the organisation Desart, which is an Aboriginal managed and owned organisation, that they advocate for. So every year, Desart put on an exhibition and a symposium called Desert Mob. It's on usually the first weekend in September in Alice Springs and artists from all of those art centres come into Alice. They have the big exhibition. They also have the symposium where it's only the artists speaking. And, and then they also have a big marketplace on the Saturday where they sell works of art under $800. So it's an incredible weekend. It's one of the most exciting times for me that I've ever had. It just, I could not believe it. The first desert mob I went to, to meet all of the artists and, you know, just to engage in conversation, to see all of their work, to hear them talking and them singing the Inmar for different stories on the stage, it just, it was remarkable. It's something that, you know, I hold true and I hope every year that I can get to because it's really, it's just so engaging and so uplifting. So, so the Desert Mob Symposium back in, gosh, I think it was around 2013 or 2014, Jonathan Jones, who's a Gamilaroi artist from New South Wales, he's an installation artist and he gave a talk. They always have a guest artist speaking at the symposium and he was the guest artist. And he talked about his practice. And the senior men recognised in him an opportunity for them to, to talk to him. They wanted to speak to him because they felt that through the medium of art, through contemporary art, that they would be able to have their voices heard and to talk about the importance of culture and cultural maintenance and the fact that the Kulara Juta, the many spears, was an idea for them to be able to have a place within contemporary art, within a contemporary art museum so that they could have the audience that comes with that and for them to be able to speak academically and engagingly about that work. 
And so the first iteration of that in a contemporary setting was in Nick Mitsevich's Adelaide Biennial of Contemporary Art, Dark Heart, and that was alongside of the two senior men who have now passed away, who worked alongside of Jonathan Jones was their conduit, and they, but it was every step of the way, Jonathan was on the phone, he was being directed by those senior men to install that work. So that was up in Gallery 9, and it was a, it was a display of the Gulada that, that was, you could walk under it if you dared. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was one of the most incredible installations. It also had the jirru jirru, which is the sound of the spears as you are straightening them. They make this incredible sound when they hit against each other. And that sound is part of the inma for the ceremonial song for that story. And so that you could hear within the walls of that space. You could hear the jitteral jitteral. It, it was all playing out around you. So really incredible projects that have come from the art centres in the South Australian Oranu Pitjantjara Yunkinjara lands. Each of these art centres, as I said, is being managed and supported by Aboriginal people in the communities. So they have a board of directors who are all Aboriginal people. You know, there are non-Aboriginal people as the managers, but they're doing all of the work that they know how to do and they know how to do best. And that's the thing with Aboriginal people in communities, they need the support of other people to get into the commercial galleries, to do all of that negotiating in that, in that other sense. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I feel that the success of the artists in the art centres has come through that engagement and that, that sincere trust that happens with people who move to a community to work with the artists and with all of the family members. There has to be that trust because the art centre is not only a place where people come to make works of art, but it's a place where it's a social gathering. So people are able to talk. They can talk about that leaky pipe that's never been fixed. They can talk about the health of one of the elders that she doesn't really want people to know that she's not really feeling that well, but in actual fact, she is in dire need of help. So there's all of those support services that can come to the art centre and actually engage with the community that way. There's a question just here. Who profits? The artists. All of the money directly from the art fair, all of the sales goes directly back to the art centre. And the artists work out with the art centre how much needs to be retained in order to support the ongoing management of the art centre. These are all, these are all Aboriginal owned and managed art centres. So we have within, within our policies here at the Art Gallery of South Australia, we absolutely have to work ethically and we have all sorts of guidelines that we've developed as a result of our experience of having worked with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists. And they're ever evolving because there are, you know, it's not to say that there aren't unscrupulous people that are doing dodgy deals and we have to be absolutely on top of what's happening. And that's why we only work directly with the artists through their art centres. So here we are in this incredible work of the artists from Ernabella Arts. These are three separate projects. There's a fourth project, which is upstairs in the courtyard, which is the Kapi Jukapa. It's a rainwater tank. Kapi is water. Jukapa is the ancestral, it's the ancestral creation story for the water, for the Kapi. 
And the rainwater tank actually was gifted to the Art Centre through Margaret's husband, because he works with SA Water. <laughs> and it was, it was a rainwater tank that was defunct. And he suggested to the artists, why don't you paint it? <laughs> Maybe you could do something with it. And of course, the Kapi, that story is such an important story, living in the, in the desert, in the, you know, surrounded by the incredible Musgrave Ranges. Um, it's the most beautiful place if you ever get to go and visit. You, you won't be sorry. It's just, it's just remarkable, this, this countryside. That rich red, red earth, the beautiful rocky outcrops of the granite that's, that's all of these incredibly beautiful rocky, you know, scapes, and the different waterholes that surround the area. And in that rainwater tank, you hear, you can hear the inma, you can hear ceremonial song for the kapi, and you can also hear stories being shared in Pitanjara of people when the big rains come, the absolute joy and delight of being able to go to the waterhole and swim in that icy cold water. So it's, it's a big celebration of the water. So it, it's a soundscape. It's, it's a sound chamber that's been created from a rainwater tank and painted by the artists in the community. In these four bodies of work, there are 60 artists who have worked alongside each other. Two senior women have taken these artists under their wing to bring them along on the journey that they've been on for the last 30, 40 years. So Junkaya Tapaya, and in her words, the art centre is like a comforting fire that continues to burn strongly and to warm and encourage our young people and to keep them clear in mind and heart. It was started by those who went before us and continues today. And I think that that's such a, a beautiful sentiment and it is something that is absolutely true to the heart of the senior artists at Ernabella Arts in Pukacha. And so Junkaya's work, she's done a body of work as well as worked alongside the other younger artists for these other projects. But that whole beautiful plinth over there with her ceramics, where she's incorporated Pitanjara language so she's got the, the incredible forms that she's made and then she's used a slip to paint onto the surface and then carved back into that slip to create that, you know, the text. So she is one of the women who teaches the younger women the, the ceremonial dance and she's also someone who is really fluent in Pitanjara and in some of the older ways of speaking in Pitanjara. So they're, like any language, there are, you know, shortened forms of things. But Junkaya likes to keep things as, you know, traditional as possible. And that's why some of the words that are written on those forms are words that some of the younger generation are asking questions about. So they're learning about that other way. And then we have this body of work here, Wankura. It's surviving. And this project was led by Alison Milika Carroll. And Milika is also on the advisory for Tanandi. And in her words, we are getting old now. One day this history and this art centre will be yours. Like a strong old tree, it grows. Another branch is added. The new branch is supported by the strong trunk. This is Arnangaway. This is how we keep going and will do for generations into the future. And so this body of work is really referencing the work of the Australian ceramicist Gwen Hanson-Piggott, 
where it's a tableau. So even though these works, these are utilitarian objects, she's placed them all in a way that's more like a, a display and thinking about the relationship of each object to the other. So she's used the form of the pity, so the, the carrying, the kulaman, the carrying bowl that's carved from wood. And inside of that, you can see we've got the maku, the witchetty grubs, the jala, the honey ants. And then there's the, the kangaroo tail, this elegant form in front. Then you have the water, the pity that's carrying the water. It's really, it's about survival. And, and as you can see, all of the names of the other artists who have assisted and have made these forms is on the wall alongside. And then we have this project, the WANA, the Women's Digging Sticks. And this is where innovation has come to the fore. So you can see that there are two different mediums. We've got the wood, so the in incredibly beautiful wood that's been carved into the shape of that digging stick. The digging stick is an essential tool for women in community because that digging stick is used to collect those maku, to collect the honey ants, the jala, and, and it's used, you can see each end has a unique shape on the end of it that's used for whatever purpose it, it, you know, they need it for. The top of the wana are ceramic. I've never seen this before. I've never seen a digging stick that isn't just a wood digging stick. So it's highly decorated, the digging stick itself has been decorated using the pyrographic technique, so a hot wire. So the wire is put into the fire and then used to etch or burn into the wood to make the designs. And then the ceramic tip or the head has been created, you know, it's, it's been moulded and shaped when, as a ceramic form and then painted once again with a slip of clay and then carved back into. So when you look closely, you can see some have got snakes, some have got honey ants. There's all sorts of different things going on in those tips. And then the tips, so they've been fired in the kiln and then they've been attached to the wana using the sinew that's been taken from the leg of the kangaroo and worked up. And it's made with the kitty, with the resin from the spinifex gum. They pull the spinifex out of the ground, the roots are heated, and then that gum comes out of the roots. That is called kitty, and that's rolled, saved up very preciously. They reheat it, run that sinew through it, and then they use that to attach that. It's like a spearhead. It's the same way that the barb is attached to a culata, to a spear. Fascinating, innovative, dynamic, they're the artists from Ernabella. Absolutely incredible men and women who are making the most remarkable work for us to be able to share and learn about their chukupa, their ancestral stories, and also about contemporary life today. Thanks for sharing it with us. <laughs>